0: Well, in just a moment, uh, Jonathan Neef is going to come up here and open God's word for us as we conclude our sermon series in the book of Isaiah. We've been there uh, throughout Advent, um, but before we do that, we've got some exciting and sad news uh, to, sh- to share with you. Uh, Jonathan and, and Hannah have been a part of our church family these past two years, almost exactly, actually. Um, and Jonathan has served as an associate pastor here as, as part of our pastoral residency program. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Christ Community, we are a teaching hospital. And so we partner with a, a seminary in Chicago. Uh, we take on a couple of uh, recent grads uh, every year. They stick with us for a couple of years. Uh, we hopefully train them, mentor them, help develop them, and then we... Send them out. And they serve God's church uh, all over the country. In fact, I was the very first of our pastoral residents 13 years ago, and we are about to welcome our 30th resident at our downtown campus just this week. Uh, It's pretty amazing if you think about it. It's truly one of one of my favorite things about Christ's community. Um, Is that we do this? It's a a way that we give ourselves away. It takes a lot of effort, um, but it's a beautiful thing to see what God does through these individuals as they serve His church all over all over our world, really. Um, But it's also a hard thing uh, because it means that in the last 13 years, I've said goodbye to a lot of friends, and we've said goodbye as a church to a lot of really really good pastors. Um, And you probably can tell where this is going, right? Well, Johnny got a job. It's a good thing. We're excited, yeah, let's do that. He did, he and Hannah and their growing family are headed to Chicago, uh, that area. Uh, Jonathan will be planting a new campus for a church there and and serve as the campus pastor. It's a a healthy church, it's a great position, a great fit. We're really, really excited uh, for them. Um, But we're sad too, aren't we? Uh, we, we love this family, and it is, it is hard to say goodbye. Their last Sunday will be January 13th, so that's two weeks from today. Uh, we wanted to tell you now so that you can have a moment to, to find them after one of these services over these next couple weeks, uh, maybe to write them a note, send them an email, um, just to pray God's blessings on them as they go. Um, give them a hug, wish them well. Um, we're gonna miss them uh, for sure. I'd love to... Uh, Pray for them now, and for all of us, right, as we start this, this new year uh, together. Would you pray with me? Father, we love the Neefs, and we're so thankful for their friendship and the ways they have served, loved, and made Christ's community a better place. Help them to know that their labor has not been in vain. And thank you for the ways that we've been able to see Jonathan grow in his gifts. As a pastor, we are sad for ourselves and for them. It's hard to say goodbye, but we're also excited. We pray that you'd protect them and give them joy. and For all the details, for new friendships, for their future in Chicago and the new campus they intend to plant. Just as as you've called us as a church to give ourselves away and to multiply for the sake of those who don't know you yet, we pray you would do this work in them and through them. We entrust them to you, Jesus. And for all of us, Father, in many ways, Tuesday is just another day, and yet it isn't. It is in us as humans to mark the passage of time, for we are such time-bound, here-today, gone-tomorrow creatures. And for some, it'll mark the end of a really good year. For others, closure on what's been terribly difficult For some, we step into 2019 with great anticipation. For others, it is with fear. For only you know what the future holds. And so for both the joys and sorrows of 2018, we give you thanks. And for the joys and sorrows ahead, for we know there will be both, we give you thanks. Just be with us along the way. We pray for your protection and provision, for your joy poured out on us, for our friendships and families, our workplaces and schools and community. Help us know individually and collectively that our labor is not in vain. And we pray that each day would be seen as a new opportunity to love and serve you and to love and serve our neighbors and everything that we do. Let us be the people you've created and called us to be. Let us be your church with faithfulness, joy, anticipation, Let us see more of you, to walk more closely with you, loving you more than all the gifts you have given us, trusting you more than all the things around us. And be glorified in us, we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? Our primary text this morning is from Isaiah chapter 65. As I said, we're we're wrapping up uh, this series, but I'm also going to read from Revelation 21. It's the last couple pages of our Bibles. Even though there's many years and a whole lot of pages in between these two passages, they're very similar, uh, and we want to see that as we enter into this time. But first, first from Isaiah. For behold, God says, I create new heavens and a new earth. And the former thing shall not be remembered or come into mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old, and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands." They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. And now Revelation 21. have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne, that's Jesus, said, "Behold, I am making all things new." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And before before you sit down, just to make him super uncomfortable, can we thank Johnny as he comes up here?
1: Mm-hmm. Thank, you, buddy. thank you. Thank you. You guys can have a seat. Um It truly is bittersweet for me and for Hannah and we were just we were just talking through yeah just the the different emotions that are involved but we really wanted to say thank you to all of you. Um, Truly have felt so loved and cared for by this church and I don't know if we knew what to expect when we came but I know we didn't expect to be loved by you and to love you so much as has occurred. So thank you just for the ways you've blessed us and I was thinking not only have you blessed me with the chance of like what does it look like to be a pastor and to learn from Reed, which that does seem a little bit like juxtaposed, but it's actually occurred. Um, Sorry, I have to throw him under the bus one last time, right? But I've been able to chance to learn what does it look like to be a pastor, but also you've just cared for my family so well. And we were thinking uh, almost two two years ago to the day when we were unloading our U-Haul and moving here, we were um, expecting Claire. And now we have a picture of Claire and she is, yeah, almost 16 months. And it's just like You've been here caring for my family and in a f- few months we're going to welcome a, a little a little boy to the family so just a lot of the, you guys have just been here for us during a lot of this season so thank you so much for caring for us we are we are truly grateful and humbled um i also want to say don't stop there will be a resident after me at Olathe, and please love on them like you've loved on us and uh there are currently three other residents that you are caring for at christ community it's multi-site so you don't see them every day But Darren and Anna Lund are at Leewood, and Henry Thompson is at Brookside and Ben and Jacqueline Beasley are going to be joining the downtown team here in a few days. So you're just you're doing a lot of great work through the multi-site team and through the residency and caring for land for Shawnee Mission in the downtown building. And so just you're doing a lot. Don't stop. I know it can be hard to give yourselves away, but my life is one that has been changed by your love. So thank you for that. And we are again, we're just truly grateful. Okay, before I tear up or say something dumb, I'd love to, love to pray. Father, I do thank you for being a God that gives yourself away, Lord, um, through, through Jesus, the, his person, Lord, through your spirit amidst our lives. Thank you for, for um, giving yourself to us. Lord, we uh, pray that we would know you more and love you more. I pray this morning that your word would be proclaimed, that your spirit would be alive um, and it work through us and that you, I would get out of the way and that your word would do the work. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, it's uh, kind of fun to jump into Isaiah and kind of wrap up our sermon series on home and what that looks like. And I can't help but think of it um, in terms of the new year. I love New Year's. It's one of my favorite holidays. I like to look back at the things that have happened this last year and what's been good and what's been hard. Um, And I love to sit down and try and plan out this next year and say, what are things I'd love to accomplish? What are things that..." I'm looking forward to and that I'm scared of. And so I just, I love this season. It kind of feels like, oh, there's a fresh start and a new beginning and a a chance to start over, um, if you will. And I think that's how a lot of our world looks at New Year's, right? Uh, People are going to be making all of these promises and New Year's resolutions. And the kind of hope behind that is that this year could be different. This year could be better, right? If I just lose a little weight, or I could finally get a girlfriend or get married, or maybe my kids could finally start to get along, or whatever it is for this next year, we get excited and we get hopeful um, for there to be change, for things to be different. And I, uh, well, I love that, love the New Year's and that thought of it. A new year isn't going to fix our problems, right? Because what we need, we don't need a new year. We need a new home. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. A new year, we'll just bring another year of the same old problems. Maybe we'll get better in some things, but a lot of the same difficulties and toil of this world are still going to be present. We don't need a new year. We need a new home. And the thing that we're going to discover throughout this sermon series that, uh, that we've been looking at for the book of Isaiah and home is that home is a place where God makes all things new. Home is a place where God makes all things new. And as I talk about home and you're kind of thinking, oh, well, I'd love a new home. Uh, That'd be nice. But what I'm really referring to here is heaven. And we're going to walk through that together and kind of have it organized around three points. Uh, The first is a question of why do we need a new home? Then we're going to look at what this home is not. And then we're going to look at what this home is. So that's kind of our our roadmap for this morning as we dive in. uh, Looking at home, heaven, what does this look like? How does God make all things new? And I want to begin with why do we need a new home? Why do we need a new home? Uh, the best way I can think to, to illustrate this is to tell you the story of a man on a plane with a backpack. Maybe you've heard this story. Um, for the sake of having fun with the story, the, the guy's name will be Reed. This wasn't actually Reed, but I, I just think it for fun. So Reed was going on a flight, and he was told, if you wear this backpack, your flight will be more comfortable. So here's his backpack, and he said, great. So of course, he put it on, uh, strapped it all on, and got it there and sat in his seat. But you know those seats, they're tiny. So he's, he's sitting there, and he's, he's hunched forward, and he's got, you know, pain in his back and a crank in his neck. And the seat in front of him suddenly is now really close. And the stewardess is trying to, you know, pass the different things back and forth. And it's like, well, that, he can't move out of the way. And it's, it is not making his flight more comfortable. So, of course, what does Reed do? Well, he complains to the stewardess. He says, this is not working. And uh, they say to him, oh, I, I'm sorry for the misunderstanding. This, this backpack is not meant to make your flight more comfortable. This backpack is meant to save your life this is a parachute. In about a minute, uh, you're going to be jumping out of this plane with or without that backpack because this plane is crashing. Oh, well, that totally changes the perspective of whether or not I'm comfortable while wearing this backpack, right? The perspective really matters whether or not the the plane is crashing. And what I'd love to to kind of carry that analogy over, what I'd love to say is a lot lot of the times we think of this world as like, it's not so bad, like things are good, like I'm enjoying this life. And it's like, well, then Heaven maybe doesn't seem that important or seem that real or seem like it matters. But when you understand that we're in a world and that this world is crashing, then this heaven becomes a little bit more real. It becomes a little bit more needed and maybe even a little bit more excitement for it. Um, of why we sing, come Lord Jesus, come. Because this world is not the way it's supposed to be. And maybe one of the best ways of, of looking at that is even just to think about the, the holidays right? We just got done with Christmas, and there were some beautiful things, hopefully, about Christmas, but there's also a lot of hard things about Christmas. Uh, for me personally, in my family, there was a lot of hardship and family drama this, this year. And for some of you, I know the holidays, it brings up the loss of loved ones, uh, it brings up some of the, the feelings of loneliness, it brings up the senses of longing. And yeah, there were those promises of presents under the tree that were guaranteed to make your life better. But it's been five days, and that Lego set, Chiefs jersey, new phone, right? Are they leaving us still a little bit wanting? And so I, I would just love to challenge us that the, as we think about heaven, and maybe sometimes it's like, well, that's kind of far off in the future. I, I hope that we also can sense that there is a bit of a longing that we should have for this place because the world we live in now is not the way it is supposed to be. And uh, we actually can think of this through the four-chapter story that we look at a lot here at Christ Community creation, fall, redemption, new creation. Kind of the story of the Bible. Well, in creation, God created this world good and true and beautiful. The fall, things are broken. Sin has entered the world. It is not functioning well. Redemption, yes, there are some beautiful things that Christ has done that things can be better, but where it's not fully realized. And what we get to talk about today is that hope, that beauty of the new creation, where one day the wrongs will be made right, where Christ will rule and where things will be, things will be new. So that's where we're going. I hope we see that there is a need for it, and how it kind of fits into the story of Scripture. And uh, with, with that in mind, I'd like to start thinking through. Okay, so we have a need for this new, this new heaven, this new creation. What will it be like? And we're going to start with the antithesis. What will it not be like? And um, so maybe participate with me in a moment with a little thought experiment. Um, I'd love for you to Matt, what comes to your mind? when you think of the word heaven? You know, what's the first thing that comes to mind? You don't have to answer out loud, but what comes to mind when you think of the word heaven? Now for many people, uh, what comes to mind nine times out of 10 are kind of like clouds, sky, bright lights, maybe angels, kind of like this outside you know, view of something bright and happy in clouds and out there somewhere, right? And I think the reason for this is because we have so much scientific evidence and facts that back that up. Let's, let's look at this picture as an example. Uh, This is taken from Far Side. Wish I'd brought a magazine, right? Because he's bored. He's up there in heaven sitting on a cloud with his wings and his little halo. But it is meant to be humorous. But I do think that this is often kind of what comes to our mind when we think of heaven. Heaven's kind of like, that's for people who want to be like religious and think of this thing that's kind of out there. And it's an ethereal world. You know, it doesn't have any substance to it. It's not going to be physical. It's just out there somewhere. That's what we think of. But what we need to realize is that heaven is actually going to be an embodied reality that we are going to experience. Um, I have a little video that I think will help explain that a little bit better than I will. Let's watch. What happens when I die? Don't I just fly over God's face to be with Jesus?
0: Yeah, so a few times in the New Testament, we learn that Christians will be with Jesus in heaven after they die. But that is not a focus, it's the Bible story. The focus is on how heaven and earth are being reunited through Jesus and will be completely brought together one day when he returns. So in the book of Revelation, we get this beautiful image of the Garden of Eden, now in the form of a city, coming to end the age of sin and death by redeeming all of human history in a renewed creation. And God's space and human space completely overlap once again
1: love the Bible project videos. It, it says it so well. Keep in mind a couple of things we're going to touch on later. He mentioned uh, the creation originally, the Genesis space, with the, the city that comes, and now it's, they're going to be united and be one together. Um, I'm giving a few things away for what's coming up, but I hope that that helps us see that it's not just some spiritual place that we're going to jump to after we die. Rather, heaven is going to be an embodied reality where heaven and earth meet together, and we're going to look at that, and our passage is going to explain some of that. But just wanted to kind of, yeah, caveat of what our, our world is or this heaven will not be. And I think it's important to do that because um, some people, they kind of want to make create heaven on earth here right now. Seems a little ambitious to me, but okay. Um, others want to focus so much on heaven that they ignore the pain of this world. And it's like, I, I don't think that's really in touch with reality. And finally, there's some who want to turn it into that goofy cartoon and make it Looney Tunes and make us seem foolish for thinking about it. And I think that they don't have a good understanding of what heaven actually will be. That It is going to be beautiful. And so... With that in mind, I would love to uh, open up um, our passage and touch on what will this new home be like? What this new home is? So if you have your Bibles, Nathan read it for us earlier from Isaiah 65, but we're going to do a lot of walking through it, so it will be worth um, opening up. um, Again, Isaiah chapter 65, starting in verse 17. We're going to read along and then walk through what this new heavens will be. It says, for behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. I'm pause right there. Hopefully that little phrase reminds you of another passage in scripture. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, God says, in the beginning I created the heavens and the earth. So right now, what we already have for the new creation is a reminder and a pointing back to the original creation in Genesis, right? Creation, fall, redemption, new creation, rooting us right back there at the beginning. And there's going to be more evidence to support that. Um, don't let the language here um, fool you. This isn't that God is creating um, all new things. It is that God is creating all things new. A really important distinction. God's not creating all new things. God is creating all things new. So we get to see that rooted in the garden, rooted in Genesis, creation. Here we go. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. At first, I was a little troubled by this, and I was kind of reading through and balancing it with the other other places in Scripture that talk about the new heavens, and I don't think that this is meant to say we're not going to remember anything. We will have memory, but what I think it is saying is the pain, the heartache, the shame that we often carry for the stuff here on earth, that will not be a part of the new creation. No longer do we have to carry that baggage that we have right now. When we get to the new heavens, we're no longer going to look back and be like, yeah, but boy, I did this, or I did that. Those things will be forgotten. That is the beauty and the promise of what this new creation, this heaven, will be like. Verse 18: But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. That's the Lord talking there, and I love that. Because what He says is He commands us: be glad and rejoice. And then he tells us uh, why, because he created Jerusalem and people to be a joy and gladness. And then he says, and he will be joyful and glad in Jerusalem and in his people. So it's kind of just a beautiful picture of what's going on. And it's, it's about that Jerusalem. And again... Uh, They kind of had it mentioned during the Bible Project video, but Jerusalem stands as a metaphor throughout Scripture. There's kind of two cities. There's the city of Babylon, which represents like the chaos and the evil destruction of this world, and there's a literal Babylon, which takes place in Scripture, but there's also like the metaphorical Babylon, which takes place all throughout Scripture of the evil city, and then there's the city of Jerusalem, where God's rule and reign and justice will take place the way it's supposed to be, where good is rewarded for good, and where we get to live under a righteous and just king. That is the city of Jerusalem which is going to come about. So God is saying, be glad and rejoice in the city of Jerusalem and in the people there. Why? Why do we, are we glad and rejoicing? Well, no more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not fill out his days. Right? There we have... Um, an image of some of the reasons why we are rejoicing and why we are glad and why we are longing for this new heavens to be here. And I'd love to pause for a moment and even just acknowledge um, for many of you that can be hard to hear, right? Many of you have lost infants. Many of you have lost loved ones in this holiday season can be a reminder of that. And what I'd love to hear and say is God knows and he cares. Right? here this verse is where God's saying he cares about those infants. God is saying he cares about those who've gone before us and passed away. And, and that one day there will no longer be death. There will no longer be pain. There will no longer be sorrow. But we can have joy and hope that, that, that this new creation will be different. Even the, the parts in there that talk about living to 100 years and this and that, what, it, what it's saying is death will no longer be a part of the new creation. We will live forever with our King. That is the beauty of the, one of the beauties in the promise that we have of heaven, of this new home. So we have a new creation, we have a new Jerusalem, we have this new life which gets to occur without death. We also are told we will have new homes. Look at verse 21. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat of their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit and they shall not plant and another eat for they shall be like the days of a tree. I mean, for they shall be the like days of a tree and they shall be the days of my people. Right, here's, here's an example of, uh, of what they get to do. And this, this one takes a little bit more shape to us when we understand the context. Again, we've been studying the book of Isaiah, and that's to the people of Israel. And they, were, they had a home in Israel where they would build homes and where they would plant vineyards. And the Babylonians would come and take away their homes and take away and eat the fruit of their vineyards. And they were living under this kind of captivity from this oppressive state. And it got so bad that eventually they were uprooted and taken away from their homes completely and taken to a whole new land. And in this new land, they are building homes that won't last and be theirs. It's not really their home. And they're planting and food, but it goes toward their captors. And, you know, it's not like it's theirs. And what God promises them is that one day you're going to build a home and it will be yours. And you will plant a vineyard and you actually reap its fruit. Things will function the way that they are supposed to be function, no longer under this captivity. And even to add another layer to it, while they're here in Babylon, God has commanded them to, to build homes and to live in them, even though they're temporary, to remind them of their future home and where they will be. And so it's just like God, you know, just giving this, this promise of, I'm going to take care of you. One day, things will be different. And then if we keep reading, we'll see not only new homes and new creation, new Jerusalem, new life, but we see new work. Verse 22. Um, I'm sorry, verse 23. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. And at the end of 22, it said, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. And what I love to touch on there is just the, you know, that Far Side uh, comic had the man up there in heaven, and he was bored sitting on the cloud. he was, well, I wish I brought a magazine because I had nothing to do. And again, that's what people think about heaven. I even had a family member tell me, why would I want to go to heaven? It's going to be boring up there. It's like, I don't think you understand what heaven will be. But there is this beautiful picture that we will actually have work. We will have something to do. And before that stresses you out, and you're like, well, I don't want to work. I don't like my job. Well, think, think for a moment. It's creation. Work was good and true and beautiful, and it had a purpose, and it yielded fruit. It wasn't until the fall that work took on this new form where it became difficult and toilsome and hard. And then what we see now in the uh, redemption piece is that we're actually working and building, and we're helping to build for heaven or build to- for this new creation But it's not going to be fully realized and present and done away with all the sin until the new creation. But at that new creation in heaven, there will be work, and it will be done with joy and gladness, and it will bear fruit, and it will be exciting to see. It's going to be different than it is here, but there will still be some work. Um, It's kind of a beautiful picture. And maybe to help illustrate it, um, N.T. Wright has a book, and it's called Surprised by Hope, and it's about the new creation. If you'd be interested in reading more about it, I highly recommend it. It's a great book but he has an analogy of our contribution and service here and how that contributes our work here and now toward the new creation. So I'm going to read um, a little quote from him as he describes how this works. He says, The image I often use in trying to explain this strange but important idea is that of a stonemason working on part of a great cathedral. The architect draws... Already drew up the plans and he's passed on the instructions to the team of masons as to which stones need carving and in which way. The foreman distributes these tasks among the team. One shapes stone for a particular tower, another serves or carves the delicate pattern that breaks up the otherwise forbidding straight lines, another works on gargoyles or a coat of arms, and another is making statues of saints, martyrs, kings, and queens. They're vaguely aware that the others are getting along with their tasks, and they know, of course, that many other departments are quite busy with different things as well. And when they finish with their stones and their statues, they hand them over without necessarily even knowing very much about where it will be in the eventual building, and where their work will find a home. They may not have seen the architects complete drawings on the whole building, and they might not even know where their stuff will go. They may not live either to even see the completed building with the last work where it belongs. But they trust the architect and that the work they have done in following the instructions will not be wasted. They are not themselves building the cathedral, but they are building for the cathedral. And when the cathedral is complete, their work will be enhanced, ennobled, and will mean much more than it could have meant when they were chiseling it and shaping it down in the stonemason's yard. I hope that beautiful picture of what the cathedral will be like is as helpful as you imagine our, our work now. Like our work, it, it, we're contributing and, and we're, um, we're working for good here and now, but it's not going to be fully realized until the new creation. We're not building heaven on earth right now, but we are building for heaven when they are, when they are together. And again, a quick caveat, work does not just mean the things that we, that we do. The greatest things that we accomplish might be the person that we raise. Like work is paid, unpaid, it's all the things that we do. That is hard here, but it contributes to what will be. And then when we are in the new creation, it will be without any toil. And it will be blessed and it will be enjoyable. That is one of the promises we see here. New work. So we've had new creation, a new Jerusalem, a new life, new homes, new work. Two more things here that I see in this text. Verse 25, there's going to be a new peace or a new shalom going back to the garden. It says, the wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox and the dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountains, says the Lord. There we have the example. We've kind of, you know, uh, when we had creation and then the fall, creation started to war against itself like it's no longer functioning the way it's supposed to creation also is at odds with man mankind is at odds with other with other humanity and mankind is at odds with God right all of these relationships are distorted and broken but what we see in the new creation is it's going to be restored to where lions and lambs can be together because creation is no longer at war there's no longer famines or earthquakes or tornadoes. or These natural disasters are no longer a part of the new creation. Things are functioning the way they're supposed to be. And even along those lines, the last piece of that, we talked about the relationship of, of creation being restored. There's also the relationship, all these relationships will be restored, but the next one focused on our passage is the relationship between God and humanity. That is also restored, which is my favorite part of this text. Look at verse 24. It says, before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. Do you hear that intimacy language that exists in this new creation? Like how often have we cried out to God and felt like he doesn't even hear us, or he's not even there, he's not even real, or it's not changing or mattering or making a difference. Yet in the new creation, before they call, I will answer. Before we even even voice our needs, we're so intimate, he knows them. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. There is this image of intimacy and restored relationship that gets to be a part of this new creation, which I find beautiful. And that theme is actually picked up in Revelation, and I want to go ahead and read that for us. Again, Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5. This is written um, over 700 years after prophet Isaiah, but also picking up on these themes. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, the first earth... Heaven and earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And a holy city, this new Jerusalem, came down from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice on the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. The word there for dwelling place is the same word we find in John, where it says, And Jesus came down and dwelling placed, or tabernacled, or dwelt among us. So that's that word of, intimacy, of of relationship being established and being together and dwelling together. So God, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore. The former things have passed away, and behold, I am making all things new. That is the promise that we get to hang on to. That is the thing that we get to hold out for as we wait for heaven, as we wait for this new creation. It is the promise of intimacy restored between God and man, of relationship restored between God and man. There it is again. And that's the beautiful thing. And, you know, all the other things are nice. I mean, I'm, I'm excited for no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow. But those things are all the result of being in right relationship with God again. And if we are pursuing just those things as opposed to pursuing God, it's idolatry, right? We're not after just those things. Hopefully what we're after is to be with God again and that these things follow from it. So one of my prayers for you is that you would desire relationship with God more than just the things that come from the new creation, intimacy with God. Again, that's a lot that we've had here um, from Isaiah. I hope that it paints a better understanding of what heaven will be like. Heaven and earth, it's a new creation. It's new. All these new things that we read about. Hopefully, that's exciting to you. Hopefully, it's a place that we want to be and that we are saying, Come, Lord Jesus, come. And maybe then the next logical question, which just comes to my mind, is So, just to be sure, how do we get in? I mean, it's a bit crass to say it that way, but how how do we get in? And uh, who gets into heaven? And of course, we're we're probably thinking to ourselves, well, not not evil. Evil can't be a part of heaven, because then heaven would just be like it is here on earth, and that wouldn't do any good. So no evil, and therefore probably no evil people. But, you know, good thing we don't know any of those people ourselves. So there's no evil. Um, But what about the religious people? Will they be in heaven? And the reason I bring this up is because Isaiah 65 that we've been reading talks about this new creation. And then Isaiah 66, God confronts the people of Israel. And he confronts them because of their religious hypocrisy, where they go through the motions, but their heart is far from God. Let's read verse 3 of chapter 66. It's talking about the things that people would do for sacrificing um, before the temple to the Lord. Things that are good that they should do, but then how God receives them because their heart is far from them. It says, he who slaughters an ox is like one who kills a man. He who sacrifices a lamb, like one who breaks a dog's neck. He who presents a grain offering, like one who offers pig's blood. He who makes a memorial offering of frankincense, like one who blesses an idol. These have chosen their own way and their soul delights in abominations. God isn't after us going through the motions. And I even just, I just bring it up because it is so easy for myself to do, and I would imagine for some of us to do, to say, oh, I'm a a good person, I'll be in this new creation one day, I'm pretty good, like, I go to church, I pray before meals, I sing the songs up here, I'll read my Bible, like, I'm a pretty good moral person, I deserve to be in heaven. If that's our attitude, then we're missing something. Here is what he says is one who will find rest, rest meaning peace or shalom, or meaning finding the new creation, 66 verse 2. Where is the place of my rest? He says, but this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Humble, contrite in spirit, trembles at his word. This is the gospel, that God comes not to save those who think they're good enough, but to save those who say, I am a broken sinner. God comes to save a sinner like me and like you, not the proud or arrogant, but the poor and the needy. Amen, right? This is, the Jesus, this is what Jesus came to die for. Jesus came to die for sinners like you and me. And what gets us into heaven? We are saved by grace, grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. That is how we get to be a part of this new creation, a part of this kingdom. So my prayer for us today as we wrap up is just that we would seek. Um, yes, we would seek and be excited and joyful about this new creation that we get to be a part of and that we'd be humble and contrite in spirit, realizing that it is because of Jesus that we get to have intimacy with God and with the, this part of the Trinity, that we get to be there. So that is my prayer for us today, and I'd love to just close us in prayer as we think through longing for this place where God will make all things new, and that we get to be a part of it through the blood of Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, I do just thank you that you are a good God and that one day things will be restored and right and beautiful and true. And Lord, I confess my my sadness and anger and frustration at the here and now that things are so broken and that I long for things to be different. But Lord, I do thank you from your promise from your word that they will be different one day. I pray for this perspective to be able to think about heaven and this new creation for what it is and to be excited about it. And Lord, I thank you for the ways you have sent Jesus, and Lord, the ways that you have your spirit a part of our lives right now, and that we get to imagine this heaven and to think of this heaven and that we get to be a part of it one day. May we long for that and may we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. It's in his name we pray, amen.
0: Amen, well again, thank you so much for being with us this morning. If you have questions about who we are as a church, we'd love to get a chance to meet you and greet you, or even about these things that we believe in, why we continue to put our hope not simply in the here and now and what we can see and touch, um, but on this new creation that God is breaking through with for his people. Um, that we get to experience it even now in small ways and we anticipate it greatly um, in, the, in the future. Well, as we go uh, this morning, uh, for being the, the, the church gathered here in this place, the church scattered in all the places that God has put us, that's the real work of the church, Right? As we leave, as we walk out of these doors into all the places that God has has put us, may we enter this new year with hope and the new creation. And as we embrace it, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Go in peace.